All right, I'm here with Ruby McAllister and Libé Barrere. They just made a short film called With the Fishes. We're gonna show it on Friday at Midnight Theater. It's uh, part of what I guess I'm now like making more official reunion uh, screening series. We're gonna show a 16 millimeter print of a film with Barbara Streisand in it that we're not identifying what it is, honestly, because it's uh, it's an illegal print and it was never really properly released. Um, but we could talk about it on here. Maybe we'll talk about it like in a little while, so that for the spoiler alerts, like people have to at least like go a little deeper into mm -hmm. the uh, into the episode. But you're, you guys haven't watched the film, right? No. Okay, you're saving it for the okay. Um, yeah, obviously you haven't seen it. Anyway, well. Your short, I thought, was really well positioned with that screening because you, Ruby, you play a character that is, I think it's more Liza Minnelli than, than Streisand, but it's definitely, you know, in the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, Streisand is really like, um, really known from her, for her like addiction to precision. And I don't really think that's my style as much. So like it couldn't possibly be Streisand, but we love Streisand. In this house, we love Streisand, famously. Yeah. Famously? Yeah. Famously. I mean, Funny Girl, are you kidding me? Um, I mean, Funny Girl, I don't actually know what I guess about Barbara Streisand in all honesty, full transparency. Um, but I do love Funny Girl. Funny Girl is shock is like, and it's really painful. And I remember, yeah, Funny Girl is a really important text in general. And it's a, you know, and say goodbye to 2022 is a hot topic this year, famously in culture. Wait, what's say goodbye to 2022? Like in 2022, it was a big deal in culture, but it's oh, no longer just the the It's literally the, the second day Belia Michelle incarnation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you see both? I saw neither. Oh. I saw neither. But I heard about it. <laughs> I heard about it. And I and I and it, you know, Funny Girl was like the thing that made Barbara Streisand famous. The yeah. show. Yeah, the Broadway yeah. show. Yeah. So. But yeah, I but I, I'm glad that you see Liza in my performance more so. Right. I mean, no, I, I recognize that for sure. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> um, I saw the Beanie Feldstein, but I didn't see the Leah Michelle yet. You did. You saw the Beanie Feldstein. I wow. got it. You really <laughs> saw a moment in history. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really get, like, I don't understand. I think this was, um, uh, I, I, I think it's all a kind of, is a little weird, but like, it's kind of a conspiracy. Like, I don't think, like, it's it's like we're pretending that uh, it's sort of a retroactive hate fest. Like, people weren't really saying that when it started. It all just kind of happened when, like, it got, it got the story got changed when Leah Michelle like, came into the picture. And then I think some publicists got involved and changed, like, what, like went back and decided that like we're gonna because people didn't hate Bean Feldstein was fun. I thought she was great. Her facial expressions are like are wild and it was really cool. And her and uh Ramin Karimlu, the uh Nick uh yeah. Nick Ans Ans whatever it is, um he I thought their chemistry was great. I didn't watch it and think like oh Beanie Feldstein doesn't have the range. I didn't care. Like 
do remember will, seeing the rehearsal videos. I do love this as a theory for Leah Michelle's publicity, though. <laughs> this I as think her, she did all this. A, yeah. all conspiracy theory. <laughs> I totally think it's yeah. I mean, I think I think it was. Um, I think it was just an. I think Beanie Feldstein pissed off some producers. Totally. Obviously. I think it's obviously. a Sonya Friedman. It's a Sonya Friedman Leah Michelle team up. Yeah, and we're all, and I have an, I have, I I think we're all native Angelinos here, correct? I'm a native New Yorker. Really? <laughs> yeah. No way! No you were born and raised in New York City. My grandparents were born and raised in New York City. Okay. I, um, okay. Well, two out of the three <laughs> native Angelinos. Um, but Levi and I are, um, native angelinos and in mm -hmm. fact levi and i have known each other since we were like 14. so we are old friends and speaking as a native angelino i think native angelinos piss off people in more discreet ways than native new yorkers <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're sort of really? like masterminds of like sort of seeming like oh so you're basically calling this a crossroads problem or no, sorry, Brentwood. Brentwood. She didn't Hyatt. go to. She went to Harvard West. Like, oh, she <laughs> went to Harvard. No, didn't she? I think she went to Crossroads. I just know that Jonah Hill went to Harvard West. Like, but they both attended my elementary school. So, well, so it's a rich LA kid problem. I mean, I'm not a rich LA kid, but I mean, no, it's a rich LA school. And yeah. no, I don't think it's a rich LA kid problem. I just think Los Angelinos, we, we try to be everyone's friend that yeah. we end up fucking up so royally because we're sort of like that. There's a, my friend recently told me that, you know, um, Los Angeles is, is friendly, but not kind. And New Yorkers mm -hmm. are not friendly, but they're kind. You know, or they're they're I've, kind. I've heard kind, this, yes. You know, the yeah. classic, and, and and not a truer word has been said. And I think there is sort of that. Um, sometimes with the native Angelino, we're so we're so key, and then like there's a part of the void. You know, and it's very you know, almost sort of it's it's almost it's different because it's about wanting. It's about being trained to like have people like you. It's like yeah. growing up. Like try and get people to like you, and yes, so there's and then, like tactlessness behind. Yes, that. and yes, I think Native Angelinos have like a bizarre air of um, not really knowing when they're pissing off people mm -hmm. because we're just trying so badly to get everyone to like us, but at the same time, I don't know. So I feel for Beanie. I don't know what happened, but I know it's connected <laughs> to her being from Los Angeles. I know. I it. totally, I completely agree with you. Yes. Like in the, I'm a big, I have, I didn't like, it was probably the first time I've spoken this aloud, but like, as I'm, you know, reading all of this stuff about Beanie Feldstein, I was, I was feeling horrible for her. Also, because I saw the show and I enjoyed her. I was like, yeah. I thought she did, I thought it was actually really bold. The powerhouse. Uh, so, sorry? The powerhouse. Yeah. Like, and, you know, not to be, uh, I don't know, no, whatever. Like, I, I really loved seeing a woman who looks like her as the star, the romantic lead of a Broadway, of a giant, broad, of the biggest Broadway show on, on opening in years, kind of. It was the biggest, it was one of the bigger events in years. Yes. And I love that that is a, you know, a woman who looks like her. I was excited about this. And the whole Leah Michelle, 
I don't know, this whole rebrand of like Leah Michelle is this unsung hero of something. I was like, when did I ever give a fuck about Leah Michelle? Like, I, she, she was, from what I understand, I, I, I know very little about Leah Michelle, but like, all I remember hearing about her is that she was like a bratty celebrity. She was like yeah. famous on Glee and she was a shit to work with on set. And like, I just remember he, like anytime I heard anything about her, it was that she's a shit. And like, yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I didn't understand this whole thing about like how she was this, you know, oh, she was left to, she was the underdog and she was left alone. She deserved this. What did Leah Michelle deserve? Like, uh, uh, this is ridiculous. Well, like, I think Leah Michelle, to argue this, yeah, to argue this, I think Leah Michelle really represents a true American. Okay. In um. the sense that she's a true striver. She came, for, you know, she like was like, we have seen her climb up this hill so treacherously that Has like does, more than the average. we are rooting for her even though we know she might be difficult to work with or whatever because of the mere striving quality of her and there is something beautiful in that too i'm on both girls aside honey i'm i love them both i think it's a real interesting american mm -hmm story of the of between i think it sucks that it has to be one versus the other i don't know why yeah. i couldn't have just been like hey we had a run it was cool did great is moving on <laughs> to other things leah michelle gets to take over how awesome is that i wish that were the narrative right but how un-american is that yeah exactly there has to be a leader there has to be yeah. a there's too much discussion about it. And I and I love that part of the funny girl saga. I, yeah. And I, I do. Go there for you it. Go. No, I was going to say, the more that as we're talking about this, I'm like, this is totally like, a Leah, I love this as a Leah Michelle comeback because she was like roasted for, I mean, like the things that came out about the way that she treated people on Glee, the way that things like everything came out about her. I do love this as like a Leah Michelle rebranding story. That's what happened. That's yeah, all like this. All of a sudden she's this person that has been like neglected or something. And yeah, and we're suddenly all like, pay, like she's people are paying thousands of dollars to go see her now, and people like were eating her alive like two seconds ago. Yeah. The other thing that so I went I went to see the show and I actually asked. Um, so I know Sonia Friedman's uh, assistant or whatever. I know like one of the people who works for the producer. Um, and I asked her and we didn't get an answer for this, but um, so Ramin Karimlu is the, the male lead. And he is like, I didn't honestly know much about him before this, but then he was so wonderful in this show that I like looked him up and in my ignorance, I realized, oh, he's like the dude. He's like the male lead of everything. Right. Like he's, he's the greatest. And I just didn't know this. And I'm watching it, and it's uh, Jane Lynch and Beanie Feldstein are the theme, are the mom and, and daughter, and then Nick. And um, during the applause for the show, they stopped. They like gave Jane Lynch a huge ovation, and then Nick, and, and then then Ramin Karimlu is next, and then Beanie Feldstein is last. And they like didn't really applaud for. It was a lot of regulars there. I I, mm -hmm. I not recognize. Like I saw people there. Who they were talking about it they had been multiple times mm. and they only applaud they applauded like at a you know at a, at a nine for jane lynch a 10 for beanie feldstein and like a okay. five for Roman and kareem and it was in between so it was sharp it was like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 
yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it was oh, wow. really good. And I asked her, I was like, did something happen? Did he, like, touch someone inappropriately? Like, what's the deal? Is this... I never got the answer, but it was all... I don't know. There's a lot of intrigue with this show. Yeah. Well, I do think... I mean, I think that that, though, is speaks to the fact that Broadway has just become a celebrity zoo. Like, people don't yeah. go to see... Like, Could they just want to go and, like, look at the celebrities and be like, they're in the same room that I am. Right. And, like, this guy, oh, sorry, he's only the preeminent mm -hmm. male lead on Broadway. Right. Sorry. Yeah. He's not also on a mainstream television show. He's just... Yeah like the king of this place and thankfully he gave a fantastic performance like he was so good i was i was like i was i, I thought jane lynch was completely miscast and i was offended that she was in it as, as as a as a jew uh i was like this is offensive same with like the fablemans i'm watching them light the candles backwards like fucking idiots um and, and you know Michelle sorry I didn't think about the Fablemans. Not yeah, really Michelle Williams. Jewish. Yeah, mm -hmm. as the archetypal Jewish mom. <laughs> I have a, Jew a blonde Jewish mom, but she is not like mm -hmm. Michelle Williams, blonde Jew. Yeah, blonde it is crazy blonde. how like Jew face is still allowed. Yeah. <laughs> so Jane Lynch was the Jewish mother. So mm -hmm. I was like, whatever on Jane Lynch, but Beanie Feldstein I thought was great, and then uh, yeah, but it's I don't know, it's all weird culture politics it is it is um, it definitely is um but i just well, i'm not gonna get into it because we should probably not. <laughs> i was like i just watched fleischman's in trouble and i loved it like i was like oh you did uh, yeah i watched the first episode i was i'm i watched all of it i'm yeah. it changed is it good i have to say it changed my life did it did it oh. was it 2016 new york city did they do a good job it's not like shot well necessarily it, there's some cool points of how it was shot but it, it really is just like so beautiful i don't know it's very literary that was one of the reviews of it was like it was it felt too much like you were watching a book which it did but i liked that mm -hmm. and then i started reading the book and i like book. Well, it's like just a great story i recommend about a jew about multiple jewish families multiple jewish yeah. families and most of the actors that are jewish are jewish the pi i read the pilot and it was great unfortunately i auditioned for a couple of in that. literally yeah because even when i read the descriptions i was like there's no way that i am but one of the yeah, things, like, i love the script i was like i'll keep reading for these like doctors <laughs> and i'm like um you could have yeah. been lizzie kaplan yeah they're I all like the lizzie whole kaplan thing now. is like that they're 40 and they're so yeah, yeah. parents no yeah and besides we're definitely like that it was definitely like i'm gonna go oh one one was like a lesbian theater create like maker and oh, she was like yeah. yeah and it was like yeah my wife my like and i was that's <laughs> a major that's a major character in that um, yeah yeah definitely. yeah I what is this barbara streisand movie about john <laughs> so it's about it's with gene hackman mm -hmm. um and it's uh gene hackman plays gene hackman's married to diane ladd and mm. there's this dennis quaid and dennis quaid is very young and he wears no sleeves ever Hot. and it, he looks great 
and uh, Barbara Streisand agrees, even though Barbara Streisand is much older and related to Dennis Quaid, not through blood, but through marriage. Um, in the movie. In the movie, yeah, not in real life, not IRL. <laughs> <laughs> Twins. <laughs> Uh, but um and then uh gene hackman doesn't he finds out about this affair and he doesn't like it uh -oh. so he's gonna get it he's gonna get in the middle of it but gene hackman is also simultaneously going through his own midlife crisis and he's just left his company and he started working at this supermarket um and amidst all of this he goes with his masculinity not exactly in the best shape he goes to uh confront this older cousin of his who is or, or aunt or something cousin yeah cousin it's dennis quaid's aunt um about sleeping with uh you know his son and um he doesn't he doesn't resolve the problem in the best way and that sets off a series of, uh, of hijinks and um it's a it's a pretty fun it's from 1981 it's uh I, I I just got all the um, background to it with uh, with Miles, who is the one who I'm getting the print from, and he was telling me how the director is kind of a hack, but the writer is really is is a great writer, and um, the director got there because he was Sue Mengers's husband, and mm -hmm. Sue Mengers, you're a you're LA kids, you probably know who she is. She was like a huge agent at the time like the biggest and so there's a lot of like history to the movie and um it's cool it's it's just it's very what i what i liked about it was that they're taking scenes like today in a lot of films that we watch like this the the expository dialogue scene mm -hmm. is the camera sitting there watching people talk and mm -hmm. they say the things that need to be said and mm -hmm. it's you know and then you get to the next scene and in this movie, those things happen, but they are just like wacky. And like, mm -hmm. they're having, you know, he is quitting his job. And while that happens, this woman, this six foot five woman comes and robs the store while he's quitting. So, so the whole thing, the scene is just about like, he's quitting his job and he's mm -hmm. telling the guys to fuck off. But like, someone along the way said well what if we just make this scene what if a robbery interrupts this scene and what if the robbery is done by this this six foot five amazon woman with gigantic breasts that are just all over the place and it's and she's falling everywhere while she's trying to rob the place and the security guard can't get his gun together you know and it's so mm -hmm. It's just, uh, but it's not really exactly like a comedy. It's pretty serious. It reminds me of Elia Kazan's The Arrangement a lot, like midlife yeah. crisis movies. Um, and that's also to me, honestly, I consider it kind of, you know, problematic uh, that the, it's funny, Miles said it's a feminist movie. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go in on you. Miles is 23 and I don't know. And uh, I don't think it's a feminist movie at all. I think it's a misogynist movie, actually. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's Gene Hackman becoming empowered over this boring, horrible, restrained life that he has to live with his wife and kids. And he's going to go rent a 4,000 square foot studio downtown so that he can be alive and free. Right, right. He's going to mm -hmm. get the hot number Barbara Streisand, who's going to be naked walking around. And right. Mm -hmm. 
I'm curious what the argument for the feminists, the feminist take on it is. So we said we're gonna wait and and do it after he rewatches because he hasn't seen it in a few years. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, man. I said, I said, all right, because I'm I'm ready with receipts here. And uh, you know, <laughs> but we'll do that on stage. Yeah, <laughs> well, I can't wait Friday. for the debate. Yeah. That's so cool. So why did you decide this movie? So this was kind of Miles's pick. Uh, Miles is this. You might have, Libby. I don't know if you've ever met Miles. Did you or did you see Funny Pages by chance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Miles is in Funny Pages. He's the yeah. red-headed, long-haired kid. Oh, sick. That's him. So he is. <laughs> he has like the best look of all time. He looks like he, that is his look. That's like his vibe. He's, I love he's, that. Yeah. So he's just this wacky New York City kid. He's seen 10,000 movies. He's 23 years old. And um, he saw his 10,000th movie the other day. And we're going to stream that one, too. Um, Amazing. He's just a hardcore, like, like he asked me, Ruby, did you ever come to my, my house and watch movies? Were you ever there? I didn't, I didn't, but I was very aware of it. I was very aware of it. So he approached me. So just, like, for context, like, if, if you're aware of, like, the kind of stuff we did there, like, he approached me and said, like, please, like, can I, you know, take a night? Can I screen something here? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm open to ideas, whatever. And like, usually we're doing like trendy stuff, like, you know, relevant New York City people or like some hot new movie or whatever that we're getting like an early screening of. He's like, I have a file of this 19, like, I don't know what, like 73 Soviet I don't know what, like the most obscure, like basically dialogue free. Like if you think Tarkovsky is, you know, is, is tough, like so much tougher. That's what he wanted to screen. And I was like, and I said, okay, but it was the best night we gave, we did like a talk and, uh, and like we had a hundred something people there to watch this, like really weird movie from the seventies Soviet cinema that has never been released in the U S. So like, give you a little like insight into who this guy is like that's what miles cares about he's not trying to be like you know with the the cognoscenti with like the zeitgeist or he he believes his his dharma you know is like we need to look to the past and understand the past if we have any hope in the future and he is an arbiter of that he is watching five movies a day you know because he feels that, you know, to respect your elders, respect those who have, it's, it's a beautiful thing. He's like this young guy who just, he's so, so, so earnest. That's amazing. That's yeah. there's nothing cooler than that. I really was like, it's like, if I was a man, if I, I have lots of complicated feelings about that. I'm so jealous of him. I'm so jealous. Wait, in what way? I just think like, I just think like if I was like a guy, I would have been like that, <laughs> but I wasn't. So I have to well, like, not like, why, why do you think gender has anything to do with it? Do you mean, do you mean like, that, like There was too much banking on my face. There was just too okay. much banking on my face that I like couldn't go fully. I would face. argue though that Ruby, you, that was kind of you. Like in your own, you've always been someone who, cause what I got out of that is like someone who's sincerely like following their own interests, like throughout, like in, in understanding history. And like for this guy, it was that Soviet movie. And for you, it was like, you know, 
Isabella Blow. It was fucking no, like you no, know. no. I definitely am like an armchair expert in some things, but I just like wish I was like like I ran my like film society in college. Like oh cool. I programmed all of it. I like had, oh my god, bleep this out, Bennington College. <laughs> bleep Why? it out. Bleep it out, Sean. Nobody can know that. <laughs> Oh, Why? Yeah. <laughs> I went to Emerson in Boston. No, I'm joking. I'm totally joking. No, everyone can know that I went to Bennington. Um, I love just, that like, being your secret. <laughs> it is my secret. I just there's a there's a quality to a Bennington person. I've just gotten so many times when I say that. Oh, is this because of like Brett Easton Ellis and whatever? No, like podcast contemporary. Okay. Anyway, but but I, no, Brett Easton Ellis. If you associate me as like a prodigal. That's menace what... please but no um but i um um no but i yeah i was the film society and i programmed my it sounds like you were that person then I, I tried to be but i couldn't but there was a point at which like i couldn't figure out the tech enough like i couldn't figure out like files enough and i didn't want to like invest my life in hard drives but i was like oh never never mind like i was like where are these kids that will do you know i was like employing i had ideas but i really like wanted to employ people like miles into the film society to be like you understand this these numbers like i it's it's a it's a gendered uh, unfortunately stereotype of yeah not not wanting to like rip the not really understanding how to rip the file off the web <laughs> and that's like that's my, when I like go I got it yeah. yeah I also can't rip the file off the so, can't rip the files okay yeah. I can't rip the files <laughs> I spend I'll like my watch it and that. we can talk about the files afterwards but I can't yeah. be the one who rips it hundred <laughs> percent. I have hard drives still from them that I've never touched, like not in years, mm -hmm. but I spent like my youth, like I was on Soul Seek and Oink's Pink Palace and all those, uh, you know, Cinemageddon, whatever, like um, I have somewhere, I have everything. Like Yes, and it is like a, <laughs> listen, yeah. it's like, it's the reason, the re it's a sexual, you know, like it's a sexual mating thing. Like we, like, <laughs> like teenagers do that, for each other the, the the culture is important to exchange but i couldn't and that's also why it's like there's an aspect of it where it's like i think i willingly never learned how to rip the files so i could like get a boyfriend you know what i mean <laughs> like there was like a so the boyfriend could do you know what i mean like there was like a there's that you needed to have to do something yeah you needed a role i yeah, yeah. I'm like, I was like, the bo the boys can rip the files. I'm yeah. putting on the mm -hmm. hard drive. There's nothing more. Like I had a boyfriend. No, it's like oh, hunting it's and gathering. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that they and that they would like, they would like, make sure my hard drives were okay. And it's like I like made a two hour film that maybe John you'll somehow maybe I'll show. Um, it was my senior thesis. Oh yeah, you did. I forgot about that. Movie. Made it two hour <laughs> yeah you did you did Ooh, boy. that is one someone's got to rip that file off the yes wall. <laughs> the file is so large and i like didn't even i did i did it with my professor because he was i was like his favorite student and he couldn't even like get the file down enough like it was like 
the file it was the file has like the the issues on with the file has like delayed so much of my life like if i could have just gotten the file down i would have been like a full-on feature film made five films by now if i understood the file Do you know about adobe media encoder no <laughs> no i don't no i don't so. There's yeah. ways around it, and this year one of my resolutions was like, "Don't be intimidated by the files." <laughs> Literally, I was like, "If you're gonna make this work, like, don't." So, who handled? Who was your DIT on the on this film, on with the fishes? Right, exactly. Who was our DIT? Oh, yeah, for with the fishes. It was. Really I think it was our producer, who was a woman. Okay. So, <laughs> it, yeah. Are they so still? So that just proves what. Yes, they're still the producer and still a woman. Check, check. Yeah, yeah. yeah the DIT. But I had nothing to, I also can't deal with the file. I'm like creative brain, someone else. But the good thing about doing it as an adult and not in college is you can have, you hire people to do all the technical stuff and you right. do. Um, so you no longer have to be held back by your lack of being able to control the files. Yeah. Just putting that. That's a good, it's a good point, but like, files get, yeah, no, no, no. Unfortunately, like half of my friends are editors now. Thank God and have love. But um, so I, so I can even just get some pointers for free too. So, yeah. <laughs> but it, but I'm saying yes, but I wish I, I wish I became a Miles so badly. Um, but I, but I didn't. So I became a. Well, I think, so you know, sincerely. I, I don't know how, you know, how serious you are about this kind of stuff, but like, it's very needed that, you know, what, like what I'm doing is, is really simple mm -hmm. you know, and like curation, programming, whatever, like it's really simple and it's really important in, in my opinion, like it's the most important work that, that we can do. We, we just put a movie out called you resemble me and we didn't take a we not that we got a good offer. We did not get any good offers, but we didn't take a distribution deal we did it ourselves and i saw that good job you saw you saw the movie or you saw, yeah, you, saw the... you resemble me oh amazing oh thank you thank you for coming um so we did really good opening numbers and mm. those opening numbers were not because of like good reviews or buzz or whatever no it's because we promoted the fuck out of it we did we had in-person co-hosts q a's group sales we did so much to engender community around the release and it, it was it was full on it doesn't scale but like like for that movie like we can't do that you know we can't get the infrastructure to do that in every city so so our other our other cities were not as good we did i think 20k in new york 15k in la and then like you know squat in other cities we yeah. did we did 100 screens but they didn't do numbers yeah but what i'm saying here is that like i was able to help dina's movie a lot built built on like momentum and you know networking whatever from hosting screenings right Just that i am a person who does that like i guess in in the my previous life pre-pandemic pre whatever like I, i've dj'd my whole life so right I, been inviting people to, to to something yeah I'm a, since i'm a child i've just been hosting something you know if it's drinks if it's if it's a dj night if it's a if it's a festival whatever 
I'm a person who there's a lot of people in the world who are used to getting an invite from and that I used to promote, you know, to, to get Dina's movie out there and, and the strategy as well. So we're not living in a place where, you know, by default people are, you know, our, our contemporary existence, like people are not just like, Oh, well, let's go to the movies tonight. Like it's Friday. Like let's go to the, the new opening at, you know, even the Metrograph, which is like, you know, Metrograph and the Roxy are probably like the hottest cool downtown movie places, but like right. not a standard. It's not a, so if Ruby or Liebe or Sean can be telling people, Hey, come to the movies today. You know, it is huge. Right. It is, it is monumental. So just basically like if you are the, just hearing the words out of your mouth, if you're interested in that, like you, you can do it right now. And, and first of all, like if you're interested, you can do it. And I'll tell you from personal experience, it is so rewarding and it's such a beautiful way to live. Like I don't make a penny on this stuff. Right. Like it is just, I get, I actually lose money on it. I give people money who like I'm giving some of the film on the short film showcase and I'm giving some of the people money, I'm giving miles and, and the, the guy with the, the, I'm just giving them a few hundred bucks just like, cause you know, they, they need it. And like, I, I, I want to be able to do this for cheap and I don't want to, I don't want to charge people. You know, I want, I want to be at nice places and I don't want to charge people a lot of money. I want it to be about getting the people there. And like, if I lose a couple hundred bucks, it's not the end of the world. Like I'll be okay. Um, but what we're building with it is so important. And you know, this stuff, it, it doesn't exist. Like it's so hard. You go, there's some amazing repertory cinema or, I mean, new movies are like destroyed. Like after sun, for example, which is getting like number one of the year on so many lists. Nobody saw that movie. Like yeah. there were no, we played opposite that movie. Crickets. No one was there. Tar, zero tickets were sold that weren't through TikTok buyouts. Uh, the Whale was all Q&As and they did huge business on the Q&As and no one showed up to the other ones. Um, Decision to Leave was actually well promoted by movie because it was the first time they ever did that. They right. did a good job. The specialty box office is a disaster right now. Like I'm talking to a lot of the theaters about hosting these things and like you having your name and your social life adding to the, if it's a new movie, like I'm going to do Skinamarink, which is a movie that comes out in two weeks uh, at IFC in Alamo. And I'm just going to hold it. Like I have nothing to do with it. I'm just going to, the movie's awesome. It's like a cool, weird avant-garde horror movie. So I'm going to do that one. And we're all going to the world's fair as a double feature and have them come. And it's ju just like, putting my name on and saying, Hey guys, come see this. It totally, it makes it an event for people. Yeah. Because yeah. like, this is a night we're going to go do something. The people are going to be there. We're going to hang out. It's going to, you know, be a, a social gathering, a salon vibe, whatever. But man, like we need it. We need yeah, it's true. You, know, you two to do yeah. it. Like, so important. That was like, yeah, that's exactly like when I had dreams of moving to the city, like that's exactly the type of, that's like all I wanted. That's all I ever wanted to like be a part of and go to and stuff. And yeah, it's like, and it's, and it's so, they're like such rare, I don't know. I, yeah, there's like, there's such gems. And when you fall, when you like get to be a part of a night, I like saw this weird not not this weird. I like I saw this. It, it's not weird. It's a fucking amazing. It's a, I love this movie so much. But I stumbled upon this Patricia Rosima movie. I heard the mermaid singing earlier this year at uh, Metrograph, and fucking Laurie Anderson hosted a Q and A oh, with cool. her. 
And it was this amazing conversation between the two of them. And not only was like the movie like inspiring and weird and like so beautiful, the conversation afterwards was after was that like was that well. Yeah, and I live around the corner from Metrograph, and I literally like ran home and finished the outline for my movie for my feature, like oh. afterwards. And I'm just like, this is like all we, yeah, this is like all I want to be a part of and do. And yeah, but like, so yeah, it's really cool that you're doing this. And yeah, you, you yeah, do so. it. like you know, it's so it's and, and like you guys have people that listen to you. You have cachet. You have you know, like people care about you and. Yeah you throwing your name on a new movie that's coming out and saying you're hosting a night like will be huge and and you could do it for old movies too like you know we're doing this one like i'm doing a new movie in two weeks and i'm doing all new movies in two weeks and we're doing you know, besides yours uh we're doing you know a repertory night on friday like th those nights are great because it's just it, it's it builds like like you just said like laurie anderson you know like it just makes it enriches people's experience, you know, and 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 it gets it creates a like a contrast of thought. Mm -hmm. If we're all just watching all these new things, also like we don't get the texture. There's a lot of like you need to you need to step back. I think like Miles talks about and mm -hmm. you know give yourself that lens, that food of so like thinking about the Streisand 1981 experience against you know your more like Liza Minnelli. Uh, portray like whatever i don't know you know uh obsession obsessed character or whatever yeah. um it will inform the way that people will watch you know will see your will think about your character that's true it is I, true I, I, it is cool i like yeah i was i was into the idea of this film being shown in yeah contrast to an older film i think was really smart yeah <laughs> yeah totally no and i and part of what i was yeah i wanted to make something yeah that like felt like it was out of time and like we did a lot of like technical things to make it look like that and um yeah i like i i feel like this will be a fun and like also then ruby stand-up that also is like sort of timeless and you get in a little vaudeville a little we'll probably get some singing we'll probably get some uh i don't know maybe not but hopefully yeah. we'll be blessed with some ruby singing and um it'll yeah, feel like you will hear me sing thank get god ready. get ready for that <laughs> this is the act i made instead of becoming a film programmer mm -hmm. you could do both now I can do both. Now yeah. in 2023, I can do both. I and have to say, I'm really glad that you did this instead of becoming a film programmer. Like you can maybe be the film programmer afterwards, but I'm really glad. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's definitely you my, it, yeah. You're you're inspiring me, Sean. I should just I should, I should just go full force on my my programming skills. But. I mean, you do want like that's what Miles is doing. Like Miles, we were just talking, and then I want to get back to the with, with the fishes in a second. But like I was talking to Miles just now about this. Like, why are you not? Well, like, why do you not have a programming job? Like, I was saying to him, and he's <laughs> like, because he just doesn't really. I, I guess like I, I'm I'm 38, and I know like how fucked up things are are, and like it's like my peers are the ones who are you know, like operating things now. Mm -hmm. But like when I was 25, I didn't understand. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Of course. He just doesn't really understand that he is the best at this. Yeah. He, he doesn't get that. He doesn't get that the people that are, that are, you know, the jobbers, they are not passionate the way he is. And I'm like, how is someone not taking advantage of your passion here? 
could probably hire him for $12,000 a year. Like if right. someone really wanted to, mm-hmm. like, like he would probably like, sorry, Miles, like, I don't want to like fuck you up here, but like, no, don't yeah. abuse Miles. And no, like, he's $36,000 no, no. a year. But like, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no abuse of Miles. These precious people. Yeah. yeah. But just like, I don't think he understands how valuable his passion and knowledge mm-hmm. and his, uh, reputation, you know, is to people. And s- same with you. Like, you know, if you hosted something and you put your name, you said, I love this. I want to present this to you, my friends. Yeah. People would care a lot. You're, you're giving me some ideas. I really should just, that was one of my resolutions too, or not one of my re- resolutions, but when, and we'll please literally stop me anytime. I have an unfortunate ability to talk about talk too much so please just stop me but i um i was you know i was talking to a friend after vivian westwood died mm-hmm. and uh she really loved vivian westwood and we were talking about how this year we have to stop pretending we don't or not being full blown all the time about the things that we love because mm-hmm. they are so like fleeting and precious and then she was she was talking about it in terms of style in terms of like i've i've lied to the public my whole life like attempting to think my style is so unique and beautiful and niche but it's really just vivian westwood because i love vivian westwood and uh and i think that's applicable to the idea of um doing screenings because it's like don't pretend you don't have to be like, I'm such a unique person with all these interests. It can really just be, I love movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have to pretend. Yeah. Oh, I actually, I read all the time and I love wine. And maybe that's true. But ultimately, at the end of the day, maybe you just love movies. And I do mm-hmm. think at the end of the day, I just love movies a little bit. Yeah. And I think there's something, I don't know. I think that would be a really cool series. Like people who are just show like the things that genuinely the, like the chord that strikes the deepest, the movie that like just in your, not like the most obscure thing you've seen, but like, let's show like, why do you love like sunset Boulevard? You know, like, let's yeah, show yeah. the, like, let's show our sincere interests and share them with people. I know. With, like, why. I know. Like, what are our sincere interests and why do we love them? And I think sharing that with people is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Programming and discussion like that, like you said yeah. about Patricia Rosima, Laurie Anderson, like that's a huge mm-hmm. value add. And, you know, it's a people, it could be the opening of a new world to yeah. a lot of people. It could be that moment when people, like you said, you went home and you wrote the script. Like, yeah, I just think this, that movies are, I'm I'm very you know th- that's why like I can recognize Miles because like I'm I'm 15 years older than him but like I I, I was like I, I'm a five movie a day guy like mm-hmm. like him and I get it like I love this stuff I I don't just love it I think it's important yeah, like, yeah. I don't mean important the way that people say that Nomadland is important Nomadland is not important mm-hmm. movies are important yeah important movies yeah. are not important movies are important. Yeah, that's true. The connectivity, the Mm -hmm. delivery of people in a you know bright wall, dark room, nothing more powerful. (laughs) Totally, I can't stop thinking about. I just saw fucking Babylon last night. Oh my god! As you're saying this, 
Oh my God. The that Avatar I'm so, in Babylon. I can't I, I need, Yeah, I, I have so many thoughts on it. <laughs> I'm like, oh it feels God. like when I've been, it feels like, because what you were just describing was like, that was your love letter to movies. And I'm like, this felt like, it felt like when, I won't go into my whole field about Babylon, but I was like, it felt like oh, when for, you receive a love letter from someone and then you read it and you're like, oh my God, this person doesn't know who I am, is like how that felt about like, it's attempt at a love letter to movies. <laughs> like, it was just like, it oh. doesn't actually understand the magic and the horror of movies. Oh, and, God. Anyway. Yeah. Poor boy. Was... <laughs> <laughs> poor boy with a capital I. I. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I can ever watch it, but I think that's a really good, analogy to that feeling of reading a love letter and being like who are they talking about <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. amazing an amazing analogy i really felt that oh my god Thanks. that last scene oh my god like, crazy like <laughs> oh, what were they thinking it's so unfortunate because i yeah at the beginning when they're like referencing the like Kenneth Anger book stuff, like with the, like the one, the fatty Arbuckle thing came. And I was like, ooh, yeah. is this going to be referential of the filled with book references? And it just like really dropped the ball. <laughs> really just like. It's the greatest. I think like the contrast between like the best log line and the worst mm -hmm. execution, like the log line is like, <laughs> yeah. adapting Hollywood Babylon. Like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Yes. In three and a half hours in. yeah totally. give me more like yeah and then you watch it and you're like oh this is what like that la la land backlash broke that boy yeah, yeah totally. oh my god that guy and it's really is kind of sad yeah it is because la la land and also also i was like i'm sorry was that not the whiplash soundtrack <laughs> like... no it was the la la land soundtrack no, I felt like the entire that movie was scored both. with the Whiplash soundtrack. Oh, it, it I was, felt like I mean, the like, I know, the, like I know it was the La La Land soundtrack, but the second yeah. half was all La La Land, but maybe the first half was Whiplash. I would like the jazzy. I don't know, but I'm because yeah, because I'm like, why did How they about the zooms on the uh, the push-ins on the horn? On the what? Oh my god, yeah. The trumpet push-ins, like every shot, like every ten minutes there was. I a would do that. As a director, I would do that. <laughs> yeah, every ten minutes. Also, I was thinking about it. I'm like, I feel fucking brainwashed by that movie, so I just keep fucking thinking about it. But as you were talking about like the scene in uh, All Night Long that I can't wait to see. Uh, yeah. like when the lady in the background of him being fired with that lady, oh, I just it's kept amazing. Thinking, like, yeah. with the like, but the bad version is like in the scene that in whatever, whatever I don't even remember what was happening in the foreground because in the background, when the fucking like little person is having sex with a giant like penis toy, I'm <laughs> just like, oh, this was, yeah. it was just so distracting that there was no, no paying attention to what was happening in the foreground. And all the was, fake like, breasts in 1926, like, yeah, weird. yeah. Like, I watched it with my, you know, my plastic surgeon partner, and I was like, that couldn't have been there, right? And she's like, absolutely not. Like, tons of plastic surgery on those naked bodies it was so weird. Yeah. It was the yeah. It was exactly what I needed on hungover New Year's Day. <laughs> like three hour train wreck washover. Oh and I also think that there's such a relief. Like I, you know, over identify with, you know, being like in high school. I began to shoot in our film class. Um, I began to shoot my never accomplished uh, Hollywood Babylon movie, which I oh. feel like. 
I feel like, actual, like Kenneth Anger or just yeah, like, like the oh, whole cool. idea was that, but I only shot, I only managed to shoot um, our friend Valentina in like a fishnet <laughs> outfit, like walking around Hollywood Boulevard, whatever. Like I, and I, there's an idea that I'm like, I gotta look at that fucking footage and do something with it, but. I, you know, I do think that there is, there might be, is what I'm saying. So I was a passionate, I was a passionate teenager mm -hmm. that if you attempt to do Hollywood Babylon, you actually inevitably, there is possibly a curse on the mm -hmm. <laughs> and you can't do it well. There's something that's going mm -hmm. to render the image unusable or something. And there's, there's a relief, there's done. always a relief for me when people attempt old Hollywood. <laughs> And I'm like, and they, you know what did it actually well? And I say mm -hmm. this weirdly, I thought Blonde did it so well. We watched Blonde the other day. We had to turn it off. I couldn't get through it, it. I had to turn it off because I was like, this is too much. Like, I'm just like, I got it. Like, no, like what, how did they get it right? I don't know. It, it's a too masturbatory, but I think there was this one shot where the the crazy mother was driving the young Marilyn Monroe through like a wildfire, which I was like, "That's great!" Like, like <laughs> that's I was that's you you did that. It's definitely that flourishes. Like, there's Andrew Dominic like moments that are really beautiful in yeah. that movie, and like, but no, just but I don't know. The whole performance of this person is like I don't know. Maybe there's so the a performance of the person is a completely different thing. But like, yeah. there was shots of how they made up LA that I was like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's total. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I um, but mm -hmm. I don't think. But I do have to say, like, I don't think. I wonder if it's even possible or if it's even achievable or if there's just sort of a mystical um, yeah. wrap around it. The other know. thing too, though, which is why I'm like, what confuses me with all of these, like, I, like, I just don't understand why these movies that are trying to pay homage to old Hollywood and whatever, like, don't try and like shoot it like they shot movies and <laughs> like the the cinematography is like they're they're not they don't use any like even I remember when I was fucking like 18 or however old we were when the artist came out and um I remember even seeing that in theaters and being like they're shooting the silent movie and they're shooting like they're using modern shots they're not using like like where are if we are doing the silent movie the like 1920s like where are our like portrait center of frame shots that like why are we like we just consume the way that we like by consuming things with modern cinematography like we're not like yeah it can be black and white whatever but we're not um which arguably sometimes makes it worse but I, i'm like why are we not why are we like trying to shoot it like a movie today and not trying to yeah. capture the actual magic of how, like how think, we work in movies then i think like literally bogdanovich with paper moon is like the closest to that mm. and like really got the fucking shots down but also expanded yeah, yeah. the shot but also it wasn't actually the quality of the 30s but it was and then he mm -hmm. it, it, he made it the 70s and the 30s simultaneously i don't know mm -hmm. but um chinatown i would say is yeah and chinatown for sure for sure absolutely i mean but there's some crazy yeah. shots that are yeah there's a lot of technical like trick play they do like Citizen Kane style, like technical shots. And that yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. But 
in terms of making LA look like the past, mm-hmm. yeah, Chinatown mm-hmm. is the. I That's think, true. The you ever watched Clint Eastwood's yeah. uh, Tom Stern shot it? I think the Changeling, the Angelina Jolie movie. No, I haven't. But I, mm-hmm. that one does 1930s LA, and I haven't watched it like since it came out. But I remember thinking it was just beautiful. The contrast ratio they shot with was just like it's a really like heightened contrast ratio, but it's like. Mm-hmm. I, I just remember feeling it was really lush and beautiful, and I'm pretty sure Tom Stern was the cinematographer on that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I really liked that one. Or like even yeah. honestly, Dave the Locust. I think the movie of Dave, Dave mm-hmm. Locust is yeah. actually quite well done, even though yeah. obviously it's by yeah, the sea. Too. What? Which one? Which by the sea? Completely differently. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's in Italy and it's contemporary, but. Huh. I would say by the sea captures, mm. it feels like, you know, a 1940s, maybe not, I don't know if 1930s, mm-hmm. no, more like 1950s, I would say actually. Mm-hmm. It's more of like 1950s kind of feel. Yeah, I don't know any like contemporary movies that really do it. I'm really like- no. thinking It's of really hard. Movies yeah. in the 70s. Well, like, and I, I think that- oh, I was just thinking like Ken Russell's The Boyfriend also is like pretty good. Ah, there's we some examples. We Russell well, Valentino movie the other day. We watched it. We watched it right at. We turned off Blonde and put on Valentino. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Chaplin too, I think, is good. Now I'm just thinking of. <laughs> now I'm just like, but, but there is something about now. I don't know. There's a fascination yeah. with old Hollywood now, and somehow there can't. There is a lack of ability to actually adequately communicate it, and I'm not sure what that tension is. Because obviously there was an obsession with old Hollywood in the '70s, yeah. and they could do it, and they did it, and they did it. Yeah. Like also, The Godfather, mind you, is an unbelievable period piece shot in the '70s. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Every it's perfect. Yeah. And, you know, they, I don't know why they could do it. And I don't know why the, the obsession is re is so evidently vibrant currently. And I, well, I just think that there is like, I think that there's like a, there is a weird alchemy that has to be created in order to create, because I think that creating that magic, it's, it's like, I think it's two, twofold. It's one using like creating the, like the referential, the way the ways that we create it referentially with like cinematography with um you know the like the period sets whatever but also there has to be like a little bit of an element in order to totally for like our inner worlds to connect to that there does need to be an element of like modern sensibility imbued into that in order to find that magic of like what they were thinking and feeling at that exact at that time and i think like an example that i think is and i think that may that now our sensibility is so far away from that like i think about like margot robbie sexy dancing in babylon you know like they were trying to communicate that like that's what like what what's evoked in us with like watching margot robbie dance sexy is how like you know what without if if we were like it's not there it needed to be communicated beyond like her doing 1920s but like and if if we're if a modern audience is watching margot robbie do a 1920s dance like the sort of sexiness that was evoked by like a 20s audience watching 20s dancing like would not be fully communicated today but our sensibility is so far away from what that was at the time that we're just watching that it's like just entirely anachronistic and like ridiculous watching her do yeah. this like 
that it doesn't fully, I think that we're not quite matching up the. Yeah, I think you're um, right with that. I just think that's sad because like, I just think that is, a, yeah, you're so right. It's a sex problem. I think it's just a sex mm -hmm. problem. What you're saying is like the inability to actually communicate the past is like the contemporary fear that we can't actually communicate the sexuality, but we can, and we could just mm -hmm. communicate. Like people in the twenties were sexy, obviously. Totally. Yeah. No, I just think that we, that. yeah, like we don't know how to capture that sexiness, like with them, with our without it being totally literal and pornographic. Totally. Yeah. 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 I think you're right on that. Honestly, yes. you're totally right. I think a lot of the divide is just the digitalization of it. Like if if these things were shot, if you could just force yourself to use a lot of the tools of the past, I think mm -hmm. it would bring us back there in many ways, but that we, you know, that we lean on all of these modern, you know, corners that we get to cut. But it, for something like Babylon, why don't you think that was shot on film? Like he definitely had the money, right? To do it, right? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, yeah, no. It yeah well i mean it, it did feel like they were trying to it, it was like we need to see this with our modern eye for some, in order to communicate what that really was when we didn't and instead it like became this like it was just like ridiculous to watch and yeah yeah the movie really served no like i, I don't know what like i would love for him to say like like if you go back and just like what a pitch for the movie is you know like why this movie what's why why do we want to watch this why is this important you know yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think he just got broken by, um, by, yeah. uh, I think that, that backlash, just the fact that that movie came out in, you know, earlier in the year and it had mm -hmm. that six month, uh, lead time where it peaked and then went south before the Oscars, um, broken. And then that, that Oscar season, you know, the, the Oscar night reversal, like there's that photo of him on stage where he's re he's taking in what's happening and <laughs> it's like someone made a meme that is like the uh the origin of the supervillain or whatever like, <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah and oh god you see this his face and it's like you could tell mm. it's all happening right there it's like because you thought because he just mm. went through, do you remember the backlash on la la land do you remember like yeah of course yeah totally yeah so it was like it won venice and then it came out and it was a sensation it was best reviewed it was hugely financially successful there were sing-alongs with kids like it was just everything but it was the year it was right after like the nate parker oscars so white and like just then people were like they had enough time to catch up to be like wait a second this is about to take the whole year but we have a little bit of time to rally, you know, to kill it. And mm -hmm. like the haters then woke up and just took over. And there was like this, it was like campaigns. It was like Leah Michelle got involved and uh, <laughs> <laughs> did a campaign against them. And it was, it was like three months of La La Land bashing leading up to that Oscars. And then somehow he still won and then didn't. And it was like, <laughs> yeah. I just think that, that broke him as a person. Yeah, yeah, that really. Like he's been he's been sort of confused since then. Like his his oh, first man movie is 
I remember him, I, I watched that at Venice also, and he, he talked about it. Cause I watched it and I was like, this wasn't terrible. It's just like, why did it get made? Why did this, mm -hmm. why is this what he wanted to do? And then I heard him talk about it like the next day. And he said that he wanted to portray how, you know, we were all, we all thought of him as this Neil Armstrong as this like American hero, but really he was just like a loner and he didn't want the spotlight. And then he also wanted to shoot the spaceships with all their rattling metals and analog. And, and that was like the main reason why he made the movie. And I just thought about it and I was like, that's not a reason to make the movie. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and that shows in the movie because yeah. it's not that compelling. And you're um, right. I do want to hear his argument for why he wanted, why he needed to make Babylon. Well, I think Babylon is a well, great idea. It's no, about no, no, totally, one thousand percent. I know why. Like, I would need to make it. Why other people? But why Damien Chazelle needed to make the movie that he made? <laughs> what his Alvo arc is so stupid. Just like the totally. love story. Like there was no love story. It was so bad. And Brad yeah. Pitt. Sorry, spoiler alert. Plug your ears if you don't want to know what happened. Mm. But Brad Pitt killing himself was so no way. Yeah. No, that was yeah. wrong. It was. It was. It was, uh, it was yeah. not that character. Yeah, none of the none of the yeah none of the characters are real people. They're all like caricature, like weird characters. Like I just don't. If, yeah, I, I didn't feel like he like understood the people or the world that he was making. And yeah, yeah. anyway, that's our bashing Babylon <laughs> section. No, I love that. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, see it big. Well, <laughs> Seventy millimeter, Angelica, the, the synagogue theater. That Angelica bought Village East. Oh yeah, seventy millimeter. That's where I watched it. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> I went with. The, I'm friends with the programmer there now, so I go see those. Oh, I'm gonna oh. correct you. I'm gonna correct you like a nerd. It's Tell not me. a synagogue. It was one of the Yiddish vaudeville houses. Of it wasn't Europe. a synagogue, really. It was not. Oh, it was a vaudeville. Oh. Was a Yiddish vaudeville. Really? House. Wow! How amazing is that? That's so that cool. is amazing. I love it's that. Very, so it's much cooler. That's so cool. Wow, I didn't realize. Yeah, That's great. Right before the pandemic, I got like obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with like going to the locations of all previous like Yiddish vaudeville like mm. places. You come from like um, a? Do you have like like? Are, are you you're Jewish? I assume. I am no. literally, not. <laughs> oh, like, oh, literally no. not. No, I listen, I come from theater stock and my parents oh. are theater people and we I was raised in a theater and I and I just became like obsessed with the fact because I was working also across the street from this from this vaudeville house that was on that is still on canal and it's like abandoned. And I was like, what the fuck is going on Which, with that theater? Where? It's right next to Clandestino. It looks like an electric. Oh, that place. I thought crazy. Yeah. And that my dad, my dad is a Los Angeles theater Lucky. producer, which is its own like Raymond Chandler story. But, um, you know, he has keys to most of the theaters in um, Los Angeles uh and new york and he knows about most theaters in new york too and he was trying to like get into that theater and then he was mm. like i want to get into all these weird theaters that used to be vaudeville houses and then i realized that so much of 
Lower East Side. Oh, wow, yeah. it, I'm looking know. at it on Google Maps. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, I it's, it's been the right bought. with the arches. Yeah. Wow. So and cool. I didn't realize that that's what that was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that was a Yiddish vaudeville house. And then like all of these. And just so many people, so many stars came up through Yiddish vaudeville, and like I don't know, I just got yeah. obsessed with it. Yiddish vaudeville is amazing. Really documentary about it. What? Make a documentary about it. Yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> but again, we really that's, laid out a, little Jewish, for that's a little me not being Jewish, though. So listen, Yo, we'll do it with you. Do right by it. Jewish counterpart. <laughs> <laughs> My 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 Jew for, these are for my Jewish friends. That's not for the Jewish loves of my life. Um, yeah. No, I don't care. I just I think it's weird when like for no reason we, like the Michelle Williams cat like the Paul Rudd and the Will Ferrell things are like fun because they like no one can do what Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd does. So like mm. fine, you know it's it's kind of depressing for us, but it's like also those guys are like those guys and whatever. But the Michelle Williams casting is is not okay to me. Yeah, like, we, she didn't even fit the role at all, like in any way. It made no mm -hmm. sense. I, I don't understand why he did that. Like, and to make the Jewish mother like that's that's who people are going to see as like an archetypal Jewish mother. Like, it's just uh, it's not nice. It's yeah. really weird. And he's not someone who I look at, and I'm like. Spielberg is like not a good, you know, rep for the Jews. Like, no, like he's a good Jewish boy. Like, he's mm. nice. Like, I don't know. Just <laughs> it was a weird thing. The backwards Hanukkah candles and like just overall, like the weird, I don't know. It's, it was a weird representation of Judaism on screen. There were a mm. lot of them here. It's been a weird year to be a Jew. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's my whole, no, whole other thing I won't get into, but my. <laughs> It's a Maisel. Mandism, but also Maisel. I'm like, there's so much. I I just the the Jew oh, face God, I is went like to the crazy. No, I went to the Jewish delicatessen exhibition. So my my, my partner mm -hmm. is a, we're both four generations New York Jews. Mm -hmm. Like uh we're both like have grandparents from the water, like from Bay Ridge, Bensonhurst, like you know, Avenue J, all of that, like, and then all the way up to my one one grandma from uh, Atlantic City, her family partially from Queens, mine partially from Bronx. Like we're like Jews from across, like every Jewish deli represented, mm -hmm. and we're both first generation Manhattan. And um, and she went to Ramaz. Like she speaks Hebrew. We have Israeli citizenship and stuff. Like very serious Jews. Anyway, we went to the uh, so, so we went to the exhibition the other day, the Jewish deli exhibition at the uh, mm -hmm. whatever the New York Historical Society mm -hmm. or something. And mm -hmm. and there's a fucking uh, May marvelous Mrs. Maisel costume. No, and we were just like, "What the fuck?" Like this woman yeah. isn't even like, no one on this show. No one affiliated no. With Jewish. It's so disgusting. Fuck that show. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's, yeah, I mean, also just like how insane it is. Like they couldn't find like a Jewish actress. That That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Michelle Williams. So and the Maisel thing is ridiculous. She's not Rachel Jewish. She's not a comedian. Yeah, I'm like, what? No, were but they just. But it's also just like. Com it's like about how comedy is a Jewish art. Like that's what yeah. the show is yeah, about. Totally. It's not even just like she happens to be Jewish. No, it's totally. Like yeah. A show that it's about her Judy. It's 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 yeah. historical. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Historical. 
It is it's crazy. so offensive. Yeah. It is really bizarre. And no one gives a shit because like we control the what well, what do we control? We control the banks or something like that. Like whatever right. it is that we control, like, you know, so yeah. it's so we don't get consideration. Like oh yeah. I've just never understood like and it's really never it's like there's no the ship hasn't even like been tugged at a little bit. The ship has just been sailing smoothly. And we're just like, how is this okay? Yeah. It's so weird. And like whatever, I again like rabbit hole, like we don't need to get into it, but like I have had Liba, you know about this stuff. Like I have trolls, I have like harassment, like I have these, you know, they make memes of me, they they threaten to they threaten people who I work with, they threaten people in my family. Like it's really disgusting shit. And they do a lot of anti-Semitic stuff. And no one cares. Like there was I, I was on the um I won't mention names, but like a certain Discord that there, there's like group chats and discords of these, you know, no. communities, whatever, and uh, New York City, certain people. And uh, they were talking about the trolling of me and someone, and I know who it is, someone said, isn't this anti-Semitic? Because they were specifically using like Jewish tropes about me and making mm. fun of like that. And they were also comparing Josh Safdie and I, Jonah Hill and I, Jeffrey Epstein and I, like it was all Jews. Um, and someone said in the thread when they were all just bashing me, they were all just like trading like ways to harass Sean. And someone said, isn't what you're doing though anti-Semitic? Not the overall thing, but the specifics that were related to Jews. And someone like clapped back at him and the guy like backed down and said, mm -hmm. and, and like apologized. And this this is a Jew who wears a high around his neck. I know who he is. And he, and I talked to him about it after. And I said, I said to him, I, like, like I do Hanukkah with his boss. Like I know this guy's boss. I know her for many years. I worked with her when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And he just coincidentally, I'm like, I do Hanukkah. You know, I told him, I'm like, I do Hanukkah with your boss. What if I showed him that? When you, mm -hmm. when you were talking about anti-Semitism in this thread and you apologized for, for 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 criticizing the yeah. anti-Semitism because you didn't want to get lotted in with Sean Glass anti-Semitism. Like it's just and and he, he you know he's he's just like a coward about it. He just got yeah, yeah. he just got like shut up and no one no one else said a word. They were all fine to do it. Man, that's fucked up. Sorry that happened. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's awful. Anyway, but um all right, let's not talk about anti-Semitism. Let's talk about what <laughs> so I I haven't I haven't spoken to either of you about this like at all on purpose. Mm -hmm. Like so um I assume you hatched this idea kind of like it wasn't like you sent a script. It was like like you kind of how what was the how did you come up with the creative for this? I feel like you guys it's like a collaboration in every way. Yeah or um I did send a script. Yeah, <laughs> but I did also have. A <laughs> I, I did. Sorry, what I meant, I guess, is like I. I don't feel no, like totally, it, totally. You like had a character in mind that you know this person can embody, and you wrote. Yeah. With that. It wasn't just like you're casting, you know, like randomly, like. Yeah. I mean, no, I. No, I know you wrote a script, and like. <laughs> no, I know. I know. No, they're actually like I. I. It's funny because I. Um, 
No, I just, it was a little bit more, but I, I it was a little bit more like I sent Ruby a, a script. <laughs> um, but it was really, yeah, like Ruby said, we've been, Ruby's one of my closest friends since we were like 14 years old. And I definitely had Ruby in mind when I was writing this thing. And like, I know her, um, yeah. And like the, I like the type of characters that she does well and the type of like, um, sort of stepping out of time old hollywood like uh sort of um cabaret singer diva that ruby no ruby does very well and um i had that in mind when i wrote this and um yeah and i was sort of like i wrote it at a t i wrote it when i had it's funny because i like wrote it in response to all of the terrible like quarantine art that was coming out and I was just sort of and I was sort of like feeling really bleak about where like the art that was about to come out of I, about <laughs> of that time um but it's funny now um in retrospect I'm sort of like when I watch it a part of I'm like oh god did I inadvertently make quarantine art <laughs> but um but it was supposed to be, it was like in response to it. Um, and sorry, I got distracted. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So basically I, I wrote it the first time I had COVID, which was like a year, it was like a year into our like lockdown and stuff. Like we started seeing quarantine art. We were surrounded by like, we had been like told, you know, to, um, to like use this time to like write our fucking masterpiece whatever it was like there was like a lot of push to like use this time productively and like i spent the like first year of lockdown like i was like i i don't know how anyone is making anything like i don't know how like we i don't know what i what the world is going to look like like what i would have to what i want to like on the other side of this and it turns out mostly the same but <laughs> i was like i don't know what i'm gonna like have to say on the other side of this and in the meantime i just watched like you know hundreds and hundreds of movies and i was really inspired by the idea of like it was two things I, using using the sort of like blending genre to communicate like the um chaos that is like the inner world of an artist at the time and also like i was like well if we aren't if we've been like if we're in these sort of we're being asked to be hyper productive in this time like that you know, people are dying. We're like, especially in New York City, it was like very scary and intense. And like the, um, you know, if we're not allowing ourselves to sort of process what's happening, that paranoia is going to manifest in other ways. So this girl latches on to the idea of um, the, that the, she's like working on this, uh, this uh, TV show pitch about this Vegas Tropicana singer in the 1960s. And she becomes, she latches onto this idea that the mob is trying to kill her. And yeah, that's sort of where it, that's yeah. <laughs> I was like well, one thousand different things, but <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was great. Yeah, I mean, it definitely like Libes definitely seemed to like have a very you know clear vision in mind, and I definitely think like I made a lot of the costumes and stuff, and I think there was like a lot of collaboration in terms of like really sort of combining our references but it definitely mm -hmm. also like like even though Liebe had you know written this character with me in mind it definitely seemed like she was very much like saying a very specific message from her own experience and even though my experience was similar and I could definitely like relate to it in terms of like there's nothing like being like 
there was nothing like being like an actress or a comedian and lockdown and just like being expected to like suddenly become like an influencer or like be on your phone all the time and like become this like become even more of a content generator than ever before which i also think is like one of the reasons why babylon probably sucks so hard too is like we're just like in a surplus of content anyway specifically because like everyone became like psychic workhorses during that lockdown but um and i definitely related to that and i too like resisted becoming a content generator and i was like i i can't possibly do anything so i and but you know when you resist something inevitably like you're actually in like total dialogue with what you're attempting to not do so i feel and i think like libe and i really related on that part was like you know lockdown was the time we weren't we really weren't making content you know what i mean like it was the time we were not at all making content so it was like all it's an inevitable you you find yourself re-trapped into the hell that you're trying to escape from mm -hmm. and i do also think that's like the the aspect of the story when when my character gets paranoid which like i i personally just as a human really relate to because <laughs> i i tend towards the paranoid but um you know it's like inevitably you think you're like as an yeah it's just like being an actor without an audience is always without a visible audience is always going to be sort of paranoia make inducing and um I definitely think that's a huge part of the internet and that's like a huge part of like also being like an out of work actor sometimes, you know, is also like, who's seeing me, who's my witness. Um, yeah, but it was like really, I have to say, we did collaborate on a lot of the stuff like in, on a more production level, but it was really like a story really birthed out of Libe's head which but i definitely related to it and i felt very kindred to it and yeah 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 and like and i think our collaborations also like we um yeah thank you for that that was like a yeah loved all that <laughs> um <laughs> and um yeah and we also yeah we really worked very closely to once we were like we're making this like yeah yeah ruby did ruby made the costumes and like we spent like we shot the thing in my apartment and we like converted my apartment into this like like into this like one it's yeah into this like smaller space that was this world and we spent a lot of time here like i i honestly feel like i went a little insane with how much time i spent in this apartment like working with like ruby yeah. what you were building like the backdrops and stuff yeah well that came later but even just like ruby and i working closely here and like talking about tammy stuff as she was like sewing the costumes and then emma the deep or my dp and i like spent like hours and hours until like late at night choreographed like shot listing specifically like choreographing that like crazy ending um that's like a musical sort of surreal bit um and like yeah which we are very lucky that we had the space to create that to like yeah to do that shot listing and stuff in but it was a little it was a little crazy making doing it all in yeah, um the space that i was also living in and yeah 
definitely. Sorry, Ruby, were you saying something? No, yeah. I mean, it it is a really it was sort of yeah. I mean, shooting it was wild, but like I definitely didn't think. Yeah, that's sort of what you sign up for with a short film. <laughs> it's like you're gonna. It's a it, a short film is like a whole other dimension of time <laughs> it's, like, like, it's, it's a very specific thing you know sort of what you're getting into no matter what the story is it's always going to be insane mm -hmm. yeah i don't know Sh shooting short films man is a whole other fucking discussion but yeah it wasn't as crazy as it could have been and but it, but it was it was wild. It was a wild, <laughs> I mean, but in the most mundane way possible. You know what I mean? Like in like it wasn't. Yeah, the house mm. didn't explode or anything. That's true, and I do think that a lot of like magic came from like the craziness yeah. that was yeah. like, yeah, and like I think that the two of us sitting there, like as you're like beating that outfit, like talking about, you know. Tammy yeah. and like the and also like the ideas of the story both like on an idea level but also on a like as it relates to our own lives in that moment with what we were dealing with like, yeah and I think it's all very yeah it was also like you know me and Lee Bay throughout high like we hadn't we haven't really collaborated and it was like our first moment well, where it was cool yeah, it was our first moment where we were like, oh, we're gonna do a project together and like help each other in this really direct way. And um, that was cool too, because we went to like a performing arts high school together. So we were like, inevitably, even if we were friends, we were always like, you know, basically having to compete with each other for parts and stuff in mm -hmm. high school. You know, and there was like, there was, inevitably two two 14 year olds being actresses is like hysterical that's like a whole yeah. other, that's a whole under other story <laughs> you know what i mean it's like we love each other yeah. but we're autonomous figures you know yeah I mean? yeah like, uh, you know. yeah no totally yeah no but totally no yeah it was the first time that yeah it was the first time that we were like we are doing and i think like we've been witness to like all of each other's creative endeavors and stuff but yeah, yeah. it was the and although i do have to say i did recently find i was looking at an old drive and i found a couple of my because we were both in the film program and i found a couple of our shorts or a couple of my shorts that i directed and in the crew it lit like the credits i just list like the actors and then crew and listed like no roles specifically <laughs> but you were always in the crew that i had <laughs> like I guess my high true. school we were always in each other's crews but yeah but it was like it was the first time we collaborated yeah. collaborated and it was like really it was really great like and i like there was a lot of ways that like i you know the places that ruby was like i have ideas i'm like you know contributing in these ways and and the other places where she was very like consciously like i'm stepping back and like your this is your like vision for this and it was very like uh yeah and yeah did we butt heads a few times yeah <laughs> but as yeah. to be expected and, but yeah and that's uh, like, like it wasn't like particularly also i don't understand yeah. this like anyway i was just talking about this with esme um mm -hmm. which is our another one of our mutual friends from high school where um i don't want a friend i don't want any friendships in which i feel like you can't I, that my friends can't get mad at me or i don't want any friendships yeah 
that I think that they're not talking about me behind my back. <laughs> I want all my friends to talk about me behind my back. Yeah. 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 And I was saying to Azume that um, recently a friend of mine was really stressed out at work and was losing a lot of weight. And I told her that I had been telling other people that I was worried about her. And she was like, so flattered. <laughs> she was like, oh my God, thank you. And she was like, I was like, I know, I knew that this would be the biggest treat for you. <laughs> to, to know that I'm telling other people that I'm in fact worried about you. Um, and yeah, so I think going back to the movie, um, we did have that dynamic of uh, we would be we would be upfront with each other and also tell each other if we were worried about each other. And yeah. we would say, I, I'm worried about you. <laughs> it's true. I am yeah. So but I, I do think that's great. Totally. You're always an I we can tell each other that we're worried about each other friends. Oh good. Good. Yeah. I really, I really <laughs> I really think that's the only way to have friends. I I confidently feel like if you're ever worried about me, you will tell me that you're worried about me. <laughs> and I hope you feel the same way. <laughs> I don't yeah, okay, good. <laughs> so what's like what's the life of a short film today for you guys right now? What do you mean? Like, what do you, you know, what is it, what are the goals? What do you do with it? What does it do for you? Mm. Where do you, you know, where, where yeah. do you go? We're screening it on Friday, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, what, what else? What are your ambitions with it? I don't know. Yeah, well, I think that the biggest gift about, you know, I, it's it's funny, what I, or going into it. it no. What? Or is it just making it? Yeah. Well, going into it, my goals were very different than what they when than like what's happening now. Like, well, yes, and like they are and they aren't. the The biggest gift and the coolest thing that I've found about having this short is like, yeah, doing things like this and like, because I, I, and yeah, and like being a part of a film community as filmmaker and like getting to talk to like film people and you know, talk about our ideas and our movies and other movies. And um, it sort of feels like, like I made this at a time when I was like, I realized I'd always wanted to like direct and write. And I had done, yeah, like those sorts in high school and stuff. But this is the first time that I was like, I sort of decided out of school, I was like, I'm going to, I'm giving myself the first five years out of school to like pursue acting. And I did. And then I was like, and after that, I'll like go into my, you know, writing and directing. And, and I did. And, you know, and I was working and um, then it really took everything shutting down to be like, oh, there's a part of myself that I don't feel like I've totally realized yet because I've like put sidelined it. And I was like, I want to be, you know, I, I want to like be a filmmaker and like, this was my sort of like stepping out into the world as that and you know and then you learn a lot in these shorts and i'm like is this necessarily what i like want to represent me as a filmmaker like now like a year and a half or whatever later i'm like not entirely but i also like i learned a lot and i but i do think it like i love that it captures this like moment in time for myself like who i was creatively in that moment and like what we were going through what i was going through and like 
these and you know and i think that getting to move forward and like with my new you know i I, I directed another short this past year and then i'm like writing and i'm working on this feature that i'm trying to get made um soon and like i feel like i am engaging with the world differently and having this short is like a a part of it and yeah cool i think i think that it's you know like I mean, I ask because we're inventing now what I, I put a film out in 2020 in the middle of, you know, I made, I shot before I shot uh, in 2019, end of 2019, and I did festivals October 2020. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what I kind of came to at that moment was like, we have to invent what this is now. Like, the, it's just, it was, it was a disaster. It was, this was like, you know, I, it was so broken. Mm-hmm. The system, it was so clear to me at that moment, the system yeah. is so broken. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I had this kind of crossroads moment of like, do I basically like, do I take the Sundance Institute path, which yeah. was the path that was mm-hmm. set, that was, that was put forth for me, which was like, no disrespect to Sundance, but that was, that was a disaster for me. The idea mm-hmm. that I would do that was a disaster, was a, was a nightmare. Um, it's just not me. I, I went there for 10 years when I was young and I, I love that they have figured out whatever they figured out, but it's just not for me. And like, you know, Sundance is amazing for what they do, but it's not for me. Um, so that, so that that was the only thing that could move my filmmaking career forward was really depressing. So I ask you, you know, what, okay, you make this and what's your next step? What are you thinking about it? What are your ambitions? You know, because we are actively figuring this out for ourselves and, you know, each other Mm -hmm. right now. And we have to think this, there is no track. There is no, you know, do the thing. I think unless you're, you know, making horror films, like Parker Finn is the the Mm -hmm. prototype, you know, like he did such a good job at every Mm -hmm. step and he was rewarded for it. And Mm -hmm. like, that works. Like he, he, no one, no one did what he did mm-hmm. and he distinguished himself in multiple phases of his, you know, filmmaking career and it worked, you know, he made smile and like it, and it worked each. And I've, I've sat down with him and like really broken it down and it's like, it really worked and bravo to him. But like, um, if you're making anything that is not either, you know, a capital I important film, you know, if it's not like a social justice film, if it's not a horror film, if it's not non, you know, a documentary for social justice, um, you don't have a pathway, and we have mm-hmm. to invent it right now. If you're making art, if you're making feelings, if you if you mm-hmm. if you feel things, writing them down and then putting them to image, you have to figure it out on your own. So, yeah, I mean, that's what you know. Going back to the like, you know, programming and in person that, that that for me, yeah, that was that was where I landed. Was like, no, I'm not going to go to Sundance Institute. Like, yeah. I just try and get i'm just gonna try and uh get people together and totally you know yeah and i think that oh yeah just really quickly what i think is i think that that is like that that's that's been like the secret gift i found with this is that like it is like i i went into this with like personal aspirations for like myself as filmmaker but what i've really found is like to be the best the best gifts about this is like the community that comes with it and Yeah. yeah Yeah, I mean, I think there is, I think, like, the second day into 2023, we're at, like, a really, like, historical 
moment in terms of film and distribution, mm -hmm. in terms of how it's like, it's like meal. It's like, it, it like is complete. It's just, there's nothing. There's like absolutely nothing. Um, and I've been talking to a lot of directors about this, like directors that want to do projects with me, but there's like always this like tinge of like, and like, who knows like what, ever <laughs> you know it's like it's like we, i want to make a movie with you let's make a movie and also okay like whatever we're making a movie to make a movie um well Wait, you mean fun. people just want to do low budget stuff with no plans no it's not that it's like it's like just it just seems like there again there's no pathway for films right now so it's like well, even if they're saying let's make a movie it might not go anywhere or but. or it might go somewhere but who knows it's just it's a complete crapshoot right now it's just yeah. you know these Honestly, are movies that have like potential production and investment of really prestigious production houses but it's like there it is like sort of an access it's an existential problem it it yeah. really is and and every director that i've been talking to recently is just like but we have screenings of like we have the life of a screening and we have the we like life is returning to cinema in this other way but mm -hmm. it it's just a i don't i don't have an answer for it yeah. and truly everyone's answer i've been talking to including yourself sean is like we have programming, we have the liveness of live screenings. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, but I do think it's like a very exciting potentially. I mean, like, I don't even, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an existential problem and it's like a really mm -hmm. amazing one to have, especially since ever, since more people seem a interested in movies. But again, like I do find that, you know we're so oversaturated and so um screened out that it's like i do i'm seeing more and more people are returning to older films or re revisiting films with a capital f because yeah. the stream also it's like you know we it's too long of a yeah. conversation but it's like you know as streaming collapses and reinvents itself you know it's just like obviously there's too much like obviously there's um but yeah, I think it's, stories need to be, we need to keep doing it. So it's like, it, it is, a, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting problem. Yeah. I think it's an interesting time to like, yeah, like it's, it's kind of cool to like, we, it invites us to ask the question, like, why, why movie, why do we, why yeah. are we doing, are we consuming movies? What is the role? Like, yeah. Like, I think we are being invited to like ask this sort of anew because it is, the landscape is like never before. Yeah. And it's like, you know, stars don't equal profit anymore. Like all the models are like really, yeah. sort of, like it's just, it's off the rails. Like we do not totally. know. And that's yeah. is exciting, I guess, but it's also, yeah, it's, it's philosophical. It's, it's existential, mm -hmm. it's spiritual, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that they're yeah. Anyway, that yeah, <laughs> big long conversation also. Yeah, that's a longer conversation. But I, but then, but I don't know what you have to like. All I know is people have to make movies, and if you have to do it, you have to do it. Totally.
Just like if you love Vivian Westwood, you should just say that you love Vivian Westwood and not pretend that oh. you don't. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then like I have a question that I guess I was going to ask you guys afterwards, but I'm like, but maybe people would want to know what your answers are. But um, I'm now I'm researching what are what are your favorite top best crime movies? I need to watch them for research purposes and I'm collecting everyone's answers. I mean, right off the top of my head, I think a one, two, three is like, you know, I'm just, like, yeah. Well, we already said, you know, Chinatown is a crime movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. He is, got, he is number one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Thief yeah. is right there. Um, as, as I, if, if I'm going to mention Thief, I have to, mm -hmm. it's not exactly a crime. Well, it's kind of a crime movie with Strange Days, is mm -hmm. everything that Thief does that you know michael mann gets credit for catherine bigelow does better in strange days i was and gonna see it tonight actually at nine but oh my god yeah i know yeah. it's playing it's, it's at a metrograph yeah yeah and then uh i mean you know it's an obvious like rafifi killing the killers like um oh man i mean i can uh all mm -hmm. the melville movies um mm -hmm. wow the you know Melville like procedurals you know they're all just these wild procedurals. Um, oh yeah. Which ones are you gonna say? Okay, well I was gonna first say <laughs> I was gonna first say Perry Mason, which is an autumn mm -hmm. film that is mm -hmm. a totally show. The TV show, yeah. Oh, the Perry opening Mason. of Columbo is directed. The opening by of Columbo, yeah, and like it's it's like really Columbo and Perry yeah. Mason always. Yeah. Um, every wednesday my mother would allow me to take all my stuffed animals into her bed and we would watch Perry Mason every wednesday so it's, it's a very yeah. it's a very deep cut deep internal mm. attraction to that Columbo always and then Del battles with that honor and humanity the yakuza papers i'm just looking at like a list mm. that i have mm, that's a good one also i didn't hear what Battles Without Honor and Humanity, hmm. aka the Yakuza oh. Papers. Yeah, it's that's not, not yeah, the first yeah. Yeah. Uh, Japanese yeah. film. Um, yeah, and then Double Indemnity is my favorite. Yeah. Great one. Yeah, that was. I mean, there's a lot of films that are like there's a crime in it, you know, but I don't know if they're like yeah, like Blood and Black Lace is you know more like proto Giallo. If Giallo is yeah, crime, sure. then you know all those. What mm -hmm. else? That's a, such a good. Because I'm looking, I, like, I'm looking for things in the double indemnity realm, if that's okay. more, yeah. but. Okay. Touch of Evil. What, what would you say? Touch of Evil. Pickpocket. Mm -hmm. Pickpocket, that's a crime film. Mm -hmm. Let me see one second. Um, double, double indemnity, and then also, um, have you ever seen In a Lonely Place? No. Great. Oh yeah, you got to. That's a good one. That's not necessarily about okay. a crime, but it's like really about. That's more of an existential crime. It's like. It's like tar. It's like tar. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. 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 But in a lonely place is me is like perfect. Is maybe a perfect movie. Um, what else? Nick Ray, right? Maybe yeah, that's Nicholas Ray. Yeah, and then. Oh, Stray Dog. Hmm. Also, Postman Always Rings Twice is a good one. All of them, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, um, both of them. I also 
weirdly like the Jessica Lang Jack Nicholson version too, but that's a yeah, mm. she, she's sexy. She's great. And he's sexy too. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Sorry, I hate to break it to you. <laughs> he's so hot. Yeah. He's so hot. Yeah. yeah. Chinatown's one of my yeah. favorites. I've mentioned it repeatedly here. I love Chinatown. I mean, Chinatown's like just the only one you should care about, I think. I mean, I love Chinatown. And it is that, that's, yeah. And I've seen it one million times, but. Yeah, slightly different crime thing than what I'm looking for, but I but an amazing crime movie. You're looking for like 40s noirs, yeah. Well, just more that type of like they're like I guess the sort of simpler crime, like the the sort of the more singular crime story, like yeah, uh, the Kirk Douglas and, 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 and the psychosexual really cool. element to it even better. Yeah, watch, watch Kirk Douglas noirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like before he like the black the cheapo black and white noirs that he made like a lot oh, of them are really good and he's a good bad guy. You should yeah, also I hate to say this it's a very controversial one hmm. but you should watch Fatal Attraction and I'm sure you've never seen it. I have one thousand percent seen. Of course I've seen Fatal Attraction. How many people haven't seen it in our like who are our age? Because mm, it's just like Fatal Attraction. It's like a meme. It's like I don't need to. Yeah, yeah. No, but that was yeah. I'm like so into Adrian Lyne right now. Anything Adrian Lyne has ever done, I'm obsessed with. But um, did you see yeah. the Deep Water or whatever the the Ben Affleck movie that they just made? No, yeah. no, I've yeah. not. <laughs> Deep Water. Yeah, just can't. I think it's called Deep Water. It was like on, it's on Hulu. Yeah, I think yeah it's on Hulu. It was a straight to Hulu with Ben Affleck. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Check that one out. And or one of those gaslight, gaslight, yeah, gaslight, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do people actually watch gaslight now? Like, is that has that like had an uptick since it became trendy, or do people like not even know? Also, oh, watch like the lodger, watch like pre, watch like the lodger's great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like the shots in lodger, really cool. There's like there's all these just it's 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 when he was like still doing silent films mm -hmm. but they're just they're like silent films with talking yeah it's really cool that period is really cool it's like what babylon was yeah 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 just watch babylon honestly just watch it on repeat and just really understand it you know? yeah yeah that's really actually what i yeah, yeah. Fuck all these other movies just babylon forever <laughs> thank you that's a good list i yeah all right. Well, that might be a good a good way to to wrap it up yeah. for people, yeah. so so y'all can have your movie watching list. But yeah. um, we're gonna I'm gonna see y'all on Friday. Um, I don't know if I need to download or whatever, but we'll work that out. Um, but uh, yeah, I look forward to showing people the movie. I look forward to you guys getting to introduce and do your thing. And um, thank you so much for chatting. Thank and, you. Thank you. you know, let's let's make more movies and let's, yes, make more movies. Uh, yeah. Yes. Love that. Thanks. Right. Thank, Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night. And I'll see Bye. you. Bye. 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 B